Back here at NYU Future Labs uh, at the AI Nexus Accelerator, speaking with uh, Mika Pera and Hamit Zahari from Cambrian Intelligence. All right, guys, say hi. Yeah, hi. Uh, great to be here. Hi, everyone. Uh, so tell us about Cambrian Intelligence. What are you guys up to? Yeah, so Cambrian Intelligence, uh, the word Cambrian comes from a Cambrian explosion that happened some 60 million years ago. So we are developing a robot OS made of uh, AI modules. And that can be used to do various uh, tasks and uh, to solve, um, to enable robotics uh, in every industry possible. Okay. And with regards to the analogy to the Cambrian explosion, what is, um, what's being exploded? Like, what are we seeing proliferate here? Is it? the intelligence itself is it robotics is it yeah so we believe that uh, sticking these narrow ai applications into our modules we can achieve much much more and we can more rapidly develop different applications for robotics so basically what we are doing is making robots more intelligent mm. uh, and so maybe tell us a little bit about your personal backgrounds how did you um get to where you are and yeah, sure. So uh, I have a background in aerospace and uh, from Stuttgart in embedded systems and robotics. And okay. then I moved to London. Um, then there I met Mika. Mika has a background in cognitive science and uh, deep learning. And there uh, we uh, figured that we both share p- passion for robotics and for artificial intelligence. And mm-hmm. we decided to start this company together. Wow. Nice. And how long have how long have you been um, doing it? A little bit over over a year. Okay. So you've been at it for around a year. What have you? Uh, where are you at as a company? Yeah. So right now we are working uh, for uh, pilot uh, for a large uh, auto manufacturer and like to implement the first application out of our operating system into on the on industrial robots. So we are heads down on developing that, and we plan to release the platform more broader late this year. What specific problem are you going after uh, that an automaker would have? So right now, robots are programmed point by point to accomplish different tasks. The robot mm-hmm. is blind. Uh, you put some specific parts into some specific locations with the accuracy of a uh, sub-millimeter. And the robot is programmed to just go there and pick the part and then place it some uh, place that's already defined mm-hmm. for a robot. But the robot has no knowledge about the environment or the task that it's uh, trying to accomplish. What we're doing, we're trying to make that robot more intelligent so mm-hmm. the robot can have an understanding of the environment and can accomplish the task by self-learning. Uh, mm-hmm. Then uh, there won't be any need for uh, programming the robot. Uh, we're basically changing the abstraction level of robot programming from uh, low-level programming of the robot with the code to high-level, just uh, specifying the task and uh, the specifics, uh, the location, the initial location, the target location, and the robot can figure out on its own how to accomplish the task. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've seen a bunch of videos of um, 
you know, from a variety of different sources, actually, with showing robots trying to do these pick and place types of operations. And um, there are a number of challenges, including you mentioned the millimeter um, resolution with which you need to program the robot. What are some of the other challenges that um, you see folks having with the traditional approach to programming these robots? Uh, usually programming this robot is really time consuming and mm -hmm. uh, it's not just the programming itself but the robot changes the behavior with environmental factors like even lighting conditions or uh, temperature of the environment and so on can affect how the robot behaves so uh, every time these uh, conditions are changing uh, they need to reprogram the robot so our approach is to add that level of intelligence to the robot that the robot can adapt to the new changes of the environment and uh, it basically can learn how to optimize for different tasks uh, and current challenges uh, it includes uh, localizing the part with that accuracy that we mentioned uh, extracting the pose of the part grasping the part from the right location and uh, with the right timing and so on and uh, these are the challenges we want to remove from the programming uh, and let the robot to learn and so hmm. um, and uh, why the auto industry so auto industry currently are 2.3 million industrial robots out there operating as we speak and 40% uh, of those are in car industry automotive industry and kind of out, out, out of um, uh, car industry robots, 70% operate in the body shop, which is the, where they make the chassis of the car. So, so these that, are the mm -hmm. pictures and videos you see with the car kind of going down the line, starting from the frame and yeah, exactly. then putting all yeah. the... And those are massive, massive robots that are involved. Yeah, in and this. they require like massive holes to operate. And, and it's a big, big task to configure. Like when you can imagine when a new car model comes in with all the different variants mm -hmm. and how many parts the car is made of. So you can imagine the task of programming all these individual robotic cells down mm -hmm. at the production line. So it's a massive task. Do you have a sense for how long that usually takes for when a new, you know, once I've completed design on a new car to complete the, you know, the programming of the line? to get it to market? Yeah, so uh, typically they practice uh, the production, like they have 100 cars, 200 cars, and so on. And often, even with the uh, production run, run practice, like you typically change the part in dimension or form to fit, fit in better. But it's like you are talking in days of like um, very, very hard um, ramp-up production. So. Mm -hmm. um. I've also seen where, you know, there are companies that are trying to, um, there are companies that are trying to uh, solve this robot programming problem by, as opposed to, you know, the traditional programming approach, basically have the robot like, you know, shadow a human or you kind of move the robot the way you want the move to move the robot to, uh, you manually manipulate the robot to, in order to, to teach it. Um, it doesn't sound like that's what you guys are doing. Um, that's part of our platform. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. So tell so, us more about, you know, dig into the platform a little bit and how, how a company would sure. use it. Uh, so the basic idea of the platform is to enable people to have natural interaction with the robot. 
uh, if there are tasks that the robot can self-learn, uh, the robot can do it using our platform. If there, there's a necessity for the human to have a simple interaction with the robot to show some specific tasks, okay, uh, still possible using our platform. Uh, basically, we are trying to remove the need for the human to have expertise in the robotics in order to interact with the robots. We want normal human without that kind of expertise to be able to interact with the robot mm -hmm. and be able to teach it simple tasks or even more complicated in the future, hopefully. Uh, so kind of like we see that all like teaching by demonstration or even like um, teaching by scripting or like even voice commands, like we see this like blend in in our platform at mm -hmm. some point in the future. So you can have uh, any industrial, any robotic arm on your table and you can ask it to grab uh, your coffee coffee cup and then it's able to do that. So that's, that's where we are aiming at. Mm -hmm. And now today the robots aren't even typically, um, or to what degree do the robots typically already have visual sensors? Or is that something that's, um, that uh, has to be outfitted in order for a company to use your approach? Uh, yeah, so we kind of, uh, for industrial robots in the car industry, we're going to retrofit uh, robot, industrial robots with a specific set of sensors so it can sense around uh, its environment. So. Okay. But we're not targeting to manufacture any specific sensor. We're trying to use off-the-shelf sensors and not really expensive ones. Okay. And um, what kinds of sensors? Primarily visual, or are there other types of sensors that go into? We started by visual sensors, but they're going to be uh, sensor fusion using uh, different inputs to uh, enhance the performance. Okay. Um, I had a conversation with uh, someone actually from one of the large auto manufacturers where they mentioned that one of the challenges that they were having in this space was that uh, the robotics manufacturers are increasingly trying to, uh, you know, they see one of the big, they see the data that the robots uh, are producing in terms of the, the sensors that they already put on the data and, and their operating data as kind of proprietary. And they're trying to sell that now to the automakers. And um, are you finding, have you come across anything like that where the, the manufacturers um, are, you know, having issues automating because the robotics suppliers are making it more difficult for them? Yeah, of course, like uh, many, uh, especially big manufacturers, like they are very sensitive about the data, like mm -hmm. what they have inside, uh, uh, inside these factories. So they don't obviously want it to go away anywhere. So. Mm -hmm. What uh, when you go when you're working with a, a client like this large auto manufacturer? What challenges do you run into as they seek to use the your product? Uh, yeah, so obviously, like with with a for a quite small company like us, startup phase, and then scaling up to a multiple factories around the world. So that's like that's something like where you need to ramp up your operation force and so on and so but we are not like we are iterating there so mm -hmm. but in order to gain the trust of those big manufacturers they definitely need uh, a certain level of uh, safety and uh, precision mm -hmm. they, uh, that uh, should be proven over time mm -hmm. and they need to trust the product and make sure that it works before they can deploy mm -hmm. on the manufacturing line 
So what's their experience with the product when they, you know, you guys come in and get them set up uh, with, uh, I imagine, a, a small use case to start to build that trust. What does it look like from their perspective? Yeah, so at the moment we are still, so like our product is not yet in uh, operation. Ah, so okay. Yeah, so it's uh, going there. So What do you envision the user experience to be when uh, you get on, a new customer on board? Yeah, so the user experience will be very simple. So like for them, like instead of now programming the robot, they can just um, upload the CAD model of that specific part. They want to want to be crypt and then they specify the end location where it needs to go. And so it's that simple. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned, uh, so you, as opposed to having to explicitly tell the robot, um, you know, give it coordinates of a pick location, you're giving them what instead? Or are you giving them coordinates, but just not the dimensions of the item or? Yeah. Yeah, so the problem we are solving is not the, um, so typically that's um, where the part needs to go. For example, most of the operations are welding these parts or gluing these parts together. Right. So the end point is, is typically could be um, it's pretty uh, determined, but like right. the, where do you grasp like that um, part? If you, now they need to manufacture, custom manufacture jigs, so where they hold mm-hmm. a stack of parts very, very accurately. And with every new part, if you have new model or something like you need to custom manufacture a new jig, right. and this is obviously a big cost. So we can just like stack parts arbitrarily. And so but it's still, if the gripping location uh, is specified, still the robot uh, can figure out from exactly that location, but uh, the parts doesn't have to be in that exact orientation for the robot in order to find. Even if they have some ran- randomness in their orientation, the robot can still extract the pose of the object and uh, recognize that part and the grip and location and grasp from there. So there are two um, two problems in there. One is kind of the bucket of parts problem, right? So mm-hmm. how do I know what the orientation is? But then there's also, um, are you also enabling them to use general grippers as opposed to custom-made grippers for a given part? or For the specific t- task of manufacturing, they usually have their own specified uh, tools or grippers. That, okay. Uh, the system needs to be in- integrated with that, but uh, in the future, the show, a robot can learn to use different kind of uh, okay. tools. Um, so maybe let's dive into the technology a little bit. Um, you know, what machine learning and AI techniques are you using to make all this work? Sure. sure. So in the robotic industry at the moment, you don't have a kind of a common operating system that the robot can use. Every manufacturer, they make their own custom uh, programs. Mm-hmm. It's really uh, low-level programming. Uh, we're trying to make it... a. Uh, bit more general, uh, something that, uh, uh, imagine the operating system that has a low-level interface that can interface different kind of robots, and then right. there are high-level modules, like recognizing the parts, uh, grasping the parts, or collision avoidance, or any intelligence that you need in the robot behavior mm-hmm. that are abstracted from the low-level communication, and they can grow and get better over time, and this makes our own uh, our operating system. Mm-hmm. And so, how do, how would you characterize where you are with the the product so far? Uh, so, so far, we've integrated 
integrated with uh, three different uh, robot manufacturers. Uh, I can name it, it's uh, KUKA, uh, Universal Robots and uh, Stavli. And um, we're implementing some basic uh, AI modules, but uh, mm -hmm. later we're going to open up this platform for people to add more skills to the robot and expand the platform over time. So what are some examples of the AI modules that you've implemented? So right now we are working um, on the very accurate localization. So that's the key value um, adding module in, in our product at the moment. And then we've added our recognition and then simple robot controllers. So, mm -hmm. so what goes into um, localization? What are the challenges there and how are you attacking those? Yeah, so uh, basic is kind of like where the uncertainty comes from is like what you can receive the resolution from your sensors mm -hmm. and then kind of how you can fit fit that into um, your model and kind of get accurate enough predi prediction over time and like over multiple samples like and what you do. And but like going back to the modules, like you can think different kind of modules like you can think of like safety modules where you can detect people if people somehow enter this mm -hmm. uh, cell where the robot is operating so you can have these sorts of uh, you can have force feedback where you can recognize different forces when you're installing some components and so on so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so are you are you building everything from the ground up from scratch or are you using um, various open source libraries for the analytics parts? It's a combination of both. Uh, we need some certain tools. We cannot uh, develop everything from scratch, mm -hmm. but uh, there is a certain level of modification that we need to make uh, to the existing tools to make them uh, usable for that precision required for manufacturing and that's the work that we need to accomplish. Anything that we might know in terms of tools? Are you running on top of a TensorFlow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. on the like deep that? learning side we use TensorFlow, so okay. that's great. Uh, yeah, we also use on the robotics side kind of like low-level commands we use ROS, so on, the, mm -hmm. on that side. So. It's, uh, so in the robotic research there's this platform called called ROS, a robot operating system, and it has a kind of distributed uh, architecture. Mm -hmm. Nodes can run in parallel and they're communicating communicate into the master node and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, we're using the idea, uh, the whole platform, like what has been developed for research is not uh, suitable for manufacturing mm -hmm. in terms of safety and so on, but the idea uh, is great. So we're trying to adapt those ideas, but implement our own version that uh, makes it sort of a precision manufacturing. Okay. Oh, great, great. Um, anything else you'd like to share about what you guys are up to? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll share like in the, in the bit later this year. Um, yeah, just uh, follow us on Twitter and check out website and you'll hear more about us. Okay, awesome. Uh, how can folks, uh, what is your Twitter and, and where can folks find you online? Yeah, it's called uh, Keynes, so it's uh, C41NT. C41NT? Yeah. Okay. And that's uh, the yeah. Twitter or is yeah, that the Twitter website? Handle, yeah, and the website is uh, C-A-I-N-T.io. Okay. Keynes.io. Okay. Got it. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. It was great to hear about what you guys are up to. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us.